this week is Parshat Shoftim, and in line of uh, a theory that I've presented several times, Parshat Shoftim is really the expansion of the Dibrot of Kabedet Avicha Vetimecha and of Lotir Tzach, uh, in order. So the first part of Sefer Shoftim, Parshat Shoftim is about the hierarchical uh, leadership or, or authority structures in society, including the Beitin, and including the Melech, and including the Kohanim, and including the Navi, the quatracameral uh, system of leadership, as, as it were. And uh, the second half of it deals with war, and with inadvertent killing, and intentional killing, and it's all kind of expansions on Lotirzach. And Parshat Shoftim ends, and it's really the end of the Lotirzach section, which in master pedagogic form, Moshe then scaffolds into the next Diber, and that is where war and issues of Arayot intersect, and that's Yifatoar, and it goes from there. But in any case, the very end of Parshat Shoftim is the Parsha of the Egla Arufa. I'm not going to read through all the Psukim, because the Psukim that really concern us are the last three. To note that this Parsha is made up of nine Psukim, and the nine Psukim are very easily divided into three sections of three. All right, the first three psukim describe the scenario and um, and the preparation. The next three psukim, the scenario is a dead body is found, nobody knows who killed him, and uh, so the elders come out, and they measure, and then the elders of the local town come out, and they take an eglat bakar that was never worked, etc. Then in psukim dalad hevav, it describes the ceremony. They take it down to uh, a ravine that is not that is not arable, and then the Kohanim come. The Kohanim were not there before. We're going to get back to them. Uh, and the Kohanim come, and the Zikinim of that city come, and they wash their hands. So the ritual is Psukim Hevav Zayin. Sorry, Dalat Hevav. The last three Psukim are a bunch of statements. That, By the way, till now there's been no statements. And so in Pasuk Zayin you have the following. What's a little unclear is they should respond or they should call out. Who's the they? Is the they the Zikenecha Vishoftecha that went out to measure the city? Is it Zikneha Ir Hahi, the elders of that town? Or is it the Kohanim B'nai Levi? Well, it becomes pretty clear from the statement, but the ambiguity is important here. We did not kill this guy, and we did not see. All right, so first of all, this can't be Zekenecha B'Shoftecha, because they're coming from somewhere else, halachically from Yishalayim, to measure. So that's not relevant for them to be saying something about that they didn't see the guy. And the Kwanim also are not necessarily from that town. So this seems to be the Zekenecha Irahi, and that's exactly the way the Mishnah and Sota presents it. That line is said by the baiting of the local city. And now, So, atone to your nation, Am Yisrael, that you redeemed, and don't allow innocent blood to, to exist among Am Yisrael. Now, innocent blood here seems to mean an innocent person being killed without there being proper retribution, which means that the blood is tainting the land. So don't allow that to continue. And let the dumb be atoned for. 
Okay, and that seems to be said by the Kohanim, because otherwise, what are the Kohanim doing there? We'll just look at the at the passage. The Zikneha Irahi come, and they wash their hands. The Kohanim show up, and it doesn't say that they do anything. So it sounds like this line, and that's the way the Mishnah rules, is said by the Kohanim. Now, as you see, the line that bothered me is the last line. Uh, we'll read it, translate it, and then see what the problem is. And you, and this is where English doesn't do well in many, many cases, you um, should cleanse or clean out or remove the innocent blood from your midst because you will do that which is right in Hashem's eyes. Who's saying this? And who's they saying it to? And one of the inherent problems is, as I said, that fails in English, is the ata is singular. And everything up until now has been in, in the plural. Zekenecha, come out. Yatsu, in the plural. Layadenu lo shafchu. The Beit Din says, we did not spill this blood. Right? Enenu lo ra'u. Our eyes did not see. Ve'anu ve'amru. They should respond that way. Right? Um, and then suddenly it's in the singular. Are all singular verbs. So what's what well, so the words? So what's going on here? Who's saying this line? So the reality is that the Rishonim are divided as to what this line actually means, because the two are related. Who's saying it and what it means are connected. Let's go for a little tour through the Rishonim and see what they say. We'll start with with the Midrash Tanaim. Now, the Sifri, which is the, or the Sifrei, which is the Midrash Tanaim, the famous Midrash Halakha on Dvarim, has nothing to say about this line. But the Midrash Tanaim that was publicized by, uh, by Rabbi Dovid Tzvi Hoffman in the 19th century does have more, more uh, expansion on it. Source 2. She'im nimtza ha'horeg achar she'nafla ne'rafa ha'egla ha'reze neherad. So now this now becomes a halachic statement, which means you should cleanse the innocent blood, meaning that even if after you did this ceremony, you were to able to identify the killer, he's not off the hook. You still have to kill him. So in other words, this ceremony only serves as long as we don't know who the guy is. And then once we get who the guy is, we still have to do it. Now, <clears throat> given that, who is Viata being said to? So it sounds like Moshe is saying this as part of his general command of this whole parsha, and this is a statement to the people of saying, "Okay, you Eglarufa is the way to deal with it temporarily, but in the meantime, you go after it and find the guy, and if you find the guy afterwards, he's not off the hook." Now, Rabbi Shmuel Omer, back in the in the midrash, he takes it further. He says, if they find the killer um, and they don't kill him, it's as if the Egla Arufa wasn't even brought. And he brings that from the same Pasuk. And he's saying, now that you've done the ceremony, you still have responsibility. Which it means, again, Viata is part of the command. It's not part of the dialogue. It's part of the command of Moshe. And the Vav is a Vav which we might call sort of a Vav Hanigud, 
but it's really kind of vavachibur, which is do this, do this, and also do that. In a sense, it's vavanigud, like it, if not, but it's really, that's not the proper term for it. It's really vavachibur, the conjunctive vav, which is do all this to the stuff, and also you go and find the killer and get rid of him. And the how, how about, how about yeah. translating that vav is nevertheless? Um, yeah, so that's why I'm saying it could be sort of a vav hanigud, right? Which would be but which would kind of work as nevertheless. You might, um, that's, okay, that's okay. That may work also. But it would still have the same impact. And of course, it still puts it in Moshe's mouth. And then you got to wonder, why is Moshe suddenly switching to Lashon Yachid? Who's the Yachid he's talking to? Right? Now, we're not going to suggest here that this is God's voice, because God's voice is not heard in the core part of Sefer Dvarim, except in the third person. Right, so it's kind of hard to say that God's saying, and you do this. So the question is, where, where is that? What? Aren't there situations where um, lashon yechid regarding mitzvot is dafka? Um, in certain situations, is, is dafka understood as, as a chiv on the Sanhedrin or on the on the tzibur, not on the yachid? I don't know where that is. If you can find For me, example, a couple. Yeah. Well, for example, uh, I think that's the way that, for example, the the, the mitzvot of Shmita and Yovel uh, of Yovel, um, they, if I, if I remember correctly, that they're in Dafka Lashon Yachid. No, they're not actually. They're they're in the, um, they are in, Sheshanim. Uh, yeah, yeah, correct, correct. But that's part of the nature of Sefer Vayikra. That's first of all. Second of all. What here that won't work for a different reason because here the entire parsha is in Lashon Rabim and now it switches to Yachid. If the whole, the whole parsha was in Lashon Yachid, I'd say that's fine. That's the way we're talking. It's a, it's a public uh, obligation, and this is a public obligation. It starts with the Beitin Agadol and then it goes to the local Beitin and the Kohanim. It is a public obligation, and yet it's Lashon Rabim. That's what's strange about it, right? So, um. Um, I asked the questions here, Hodot to Jason, right? Who was the Yavata in the last verse? Who's residing in the last verse, right? And also, what's the Dam Hanaki here? Which is, you know, we could say that a Dam Hanaki means the innocent blood that's been shed without finding a uh, uh, the guilty party. But what's the Tevair Dam Hanaki? So it says if Dam Hanaki is a bad thing, and normally think of Dam Hanaki as the innocent blood, but Dam Hanaki seems to be the bad thing because it means the Dam Hanaki, which, which was spilled wrongly, and there's been no retribution for it. But let's take a look at how the Rishonim deal with this. Rashi basically follows the Midrash Tanaim. Right. So now Rashi adds something, which the Midrash Halacha states a little later, which is the end of the Pasuk, is kita asayashar. What's the key there? It means when. Meaning that if you then go and find the guilty guy and you kill him, then you will have done that which is right in, in Hashem's eyes. Okay. Al-Drashbam follows the same direction. Many Rishonim follow the same direction. Ibn Ezra makes several proposals here because, again, Ibn Ezra is always very sensitive to language. And so watch what he does. He says, Vatatavayaradamanaki, source four. Perusho onesh hadam hanaki. The first thing he's, sen- he's sensitive to is dam hanaki. 
And that's the third question I asked. Udam means innocent blood. Why are you getting rid of innocent blood? He says what's, in, what's, um, what's assumed, or shall we say covert, about the word damanaki is onesha damanaki, meaning you have to get rid of the punishment of the innocent blood, meaning the person who caused the innocent blood to be spilled. Oyeh hadam damanaki. Now, that's part of the problem, is what's damanaki? Does it mean innocent blood or the blood of the innocent person? But it's going to be the same thing either way. Now, this is a very different take. A very different take. Because everything up until now that we've seen in the Midrash Tanaim, in Rashi, in the beginning of the Ibn Ezra, all assume that this line, is a follow-up to the ceremony. Meaning, you do the ceremony, and then subsequently, if after the ceremony you're able to find out who did it, you still kill the guy, and that's Hashem. Here, the Ben Ezra, in his second suggestion, goes in a different direction. He says, Meaning, this ceremony is there to remind you, you've got to be more vigilant about preventing murders. And this should spur you to do that. It's not about this murder, it's about murders in general. We're going to see other Rishonim echo this idea. So the Ibn Ezra quoted three different approaches, didn't like him. He said, I'll tell you what I think it is. In other words, he says, I think what it means is as follows. Means, if you do this, then you will be able to cleanse the, the world of Shfichut meaning by doing this, you will then get rid of Shfichut Not this murder, but future murders won't happen. Which, of course, is metaphysical, as he points out, because it's not that something that we could identify causally as preventing murders from this would happen. We're going to see the Bechor Shor in a minute. It's going to go in a different direction. But he's saying it's a metaphysical thing, that if you do the mitzvah, the next thing that will happen is you'll have less murders going on. Now, this is an interesting take, because if you recall the Mishnah at the end of Sotah that lists all of the devolution during the times leading up to really Beitar and afterwards, but all of the you know, first two centuries of the common era, and it says, Mishirabu Afim, Basku Amarim, you know, they stopped doing the Sota ceremony when there was more adultery going on, and then Mishirabu Hamiratzchanim, but La Eglarufa, that this ceremony of Eglarufa stopped because there were too many murderers going around, which seems to kind of be the opposite. Now, the the Vichor Shore and his comment here points us to his comment on the earlier pasuk, and it's really worth taking a look at this entire thing. Uh, and he says as follows, this is the Bechor Shor with Doresh Tam HaMikra, the Bechor Shor Tamei HaMitzvot. This is why Egla Rufa is there. God did this so that there should be a voice for the victim. There should be a lot of noise and tumult going on among all the cities where that are being measured. So this is the close city. That's the close city. We measure from his belly button, we measure from his neck, from his nose, the three opinions. With Sanhedrin Remember, according to the halacha, the, the members of the Beitin Hagadol and Shalim have to come out to this uh, middle of nowhere thing to do the measuring. That becomes a big deal. Then they break the back of a, of a calf, and they bury it there. It's just weird, and it's going to attract a lot of attention. 
He says the purpose of all this thing is exactly for that, to extract attention. Watch as, watch as he follows. Here's a guy who left his home and never came back. That's the victim. Nobody knows what happened to him. They know he's dead. So everybody comes, especially, think about this. If somebody has a close relative who's gone missing, and then there's a word that there is a mate, that they're going to go. And they're going to go see. Also, if the mom is in the house, the mom won't be in Aguna because we'll find the dead body. Right? His kids also will not be stuck. They'll be able to then be Yoresh. In other words, if somebody's gone missing, we want to confirm what's happened to him. If he's alive, that's great. But if he's dead, we want to know he's dead. His wife can remarry, his kids can get the Yerusha, etc. Once we recognize who it is, so there's a big tumult, we come there and say, oh, that's Chaim. You know, a bad name for him. Somebody says, oh, yeah, yeah, Chaim went for a walk with Moshe. Right? And that may lead to them finding out who the killer is. In other words, this is a way of opening an investigation by getting just as many witnesses and people who know about the, the victim's behavior out there in the open. And he said, there's a second thing. Look at the huge deal that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is making us do with all the players and all of the ceremony and all of the strange declarations for one dead person. You see how much HaKadosh Baruch Hu cares about life. And so then he goes on to discuss the halachic issue about whether or not a woman can remarry based on that recognition, etc. Not our problem. Go to the next passage, which is his commentary on our pasuk, meaning if you do this correctly, if you do this mitzvah correctly, meaning the one we just did, said, you're going to listen to all the buzzing around and say, oh, yeah, yeah, Moshe was the last guy seen with him. And Moshe's got a violent temper, and Moshe you know, had an infirm or something. So the Bechor Shore builds the following a, a case, which is really compelling, about this pasuk. He says that if you do this mitzvah correctly, you know what you're going to be able to do? You're going to be able to identify the killer. In other words, he sees Eglar Rufa not as, we can't find the killer, so we'll do this. He says, this is a way to smoke out the killer. And he says, therefore, is part of the mitzvah. In other words, do this, do this, this, and then do that. It's vavachibor. How will you do it? Meaning, if you do this mitzvah correctly, you'll be able, likely, to identify it. Maybe not for sure, but likely. That's what he says. It's a phenomenal chiddush and a very innovative way of looking at the whole thing. The Rabag takes yet another variation on it. He says, Right, which is somewhat similar to the Bechor Shor, saying, if you want to do that, which is right in Hashem's eyes, try to find the killer by doing a lot of investigation. In other words, he's reading the Atatavar Hadamanaki as sort of like 
none, not even nonetheless, but but meaning you could do Eglarufa, but if you want to do the real thing, that's the easy way out. You want to do the real thing, do a serious investigation and find the guy. That's Yashar Bein Hashem. So in the in the Rabag's reading, Egal Rufa is second best. It's not what you should be doing. Right? He said, there's another take on it. And notice, by the way, how confusing this Pasuk is, how wide the range of approach, approaches there is. He says, something like this will not happen in your midst. Why? Right? In other words, does Kenim will give Musar? Well, listen, in other words, if you do what's right, this stuff won't happen. This is happening because you're not doing stuff right, which is going to open the door to another approach to this. And the Sforno, just as a last little note before we look at the at the structure here, if you really don't know who it is, God will forgive. Now, he has another little twist here, which is that if you can identify who it is, you kill him before God does, because God killing him would be far worse. In other words, for his benefit, you find the murderer, you kill him. So now you, you see, by the way, how enigmatic and puzzling this pasuk is, is the wide range of approaches we have to understanding its place. We have, just to summarize, Midrash Tanaim adopted by Rashi and Rashbam and others, which is, this is a purely halachic statement, which means even though you've done this whole ceremony, nonetheless, and that's a good word for Pinchas, nonetheless, if you find the killer, you got to kill him. The Ibn Ezra suggests a, a few different approaches, ending with the one that he likes, which is, if you were doing the right thing, this wouldn't happen. Right? So, uh, if you so this sort of event will is only happening because you're not doing the right thing. The Bahor Shore has a very innovative approach, which is that the entire purpose of the ceremony is not really to bring uh, bring uh, absolution of any sort or cleansing. It's to smoke out the killer, to make this big deal, uh, kind of like we do with Sota, where we try to make it a big public thing so that people will come forward and testify to one thing or the other. And here that they'll find out who went with the guy. And first of all, it'll help the family because they'll identify that that really is their dead person and they can go on with their lives, uh, etc. We have the Rabag who takes almost a 180 on that, where he says that if you want to do what's right in Hashem's eyes, then don't do the ceremony. Don't do it. Instead, do an investigation. That's the Yashar Bein Hashem. Okay, so now what I'd like to suggest is that, again, looking only at the last three psukim, which are the last unit. Again, I think this parsha is three equal parts of three. The first three describing the circumstances, the next three describing the ceremony, and the last three, the declarations. I'm pretty convinced, and again, following the Mishnah, that the first of the three psukim is recited by the Beit Din, the local Beit Din, because they say, Right, and of course that doesn't make sense for somebody from far away. Okay, and the Mishnah, of course, says, well, "Do we think Beitin, the local Beitin, is killers? Why do they have to say that? Oh, we didn't have them come and not give them proper escort, etc." We're familiar with the Mishnah. It seems pretty clear that the second pasuk, pasuk Chet, is said by the Kohanim. First of all, because Kaper Adam, it's all about Kapara, 
In other words, what are the Kohanim doing there? They don't have a ceremony. The, the Beitin washes their hands. The Kohanim don't do anything. So if they're just standing there, so it seems like this is what they're saying. The question I asked is, who's saying the last Pasuk? So the way that most of the Rishonim read it is, I think, the simplest way to read it, but it carries difficulties, which is, it's Moshe's words, meaning it's the end of the Parsha. So you have the Parsha, if this happens, then you go do this, and you wash your hands, and the Kohanim come forward, ve'anu ve'amru, and then everybody has their line. Yadenu lo shafchu, and the Kohanim kaper li'amcha. And then Moshe finishes by saying, but what you really should do is, tever ha'dam Okay, and then along all the different lines that we saw. The question, of course, is why is it in the singular when the whole parsha is in the plural? It should be vatem tevaru hadam anakimikir b'chem kita asuei sharbeinei Hashem. Okay, so there is a second approach that I like to propose to this odd last line, and I used color coding. Uh, the Kohanim wear royal clothes, so I put them in purple. Right. The Beitin has to deal with Damim, so I made them in red. Okay, so whatever. Um, and that is that the last two lines of the Kohanim, the Kohanim say, and then they turn to the Beitin. Because who is Pasuk Chet being said to? It's clearly being said to Hashem. They're addressing God. And then they turn maybe to the head of the Beitin, or they turn, look at the Beitin as a singular, and they say, And perhaps, in line with what we've seen in the Ralbag, for instance, you guys really should be doing a better job of keeping an eye on the countryside. You should be doing a better job of making sure people don't hurt each other that way. Right? So it's possible that this last line is the end of the Kohanim statement. Yet a third possibility, I got five here, a third possibility, which is that, because again, we have the problem with the switch into the singular, there's two groups speaking here. There's the Zikinim and the Kohanim. But is it possible that they're turning now, when they're done with each one with their declaration, they're now turning to the populace who's standing around and telling them what to do? The Zikim say, we didn't do it. The Kohanim say, please be mechaper. And then they, together, in unison, turn to the populace who's gathered and said, the Ata, and now Repinchas will get to the singular, they're talking to them as a unit. You, go out and cleanse the, the, the clean body. In other words, either find the guy anyways, or we have to do what, what, whatever steps we need to take to make sure this doesn't happen again. Right, and the way is to do is Hashem. You behave properly, and we can get rid of this. Fourth proposal, right, is that maybe the Kohanim and the Zikinim now are talking to each other. The Zikinim say Yadenu The Kohanim say Yisrael, and now each person says to his fellow, I'll explain why that's that's a significant. Possibility. There is a famous adage in the Gemara, which is Kedera Kariri. A pot that's being boiled by partners never gets hot, never gets cold. Because the partner always thinks the other guy's taking care of it. One of the problems with a group ceremony 
is that it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking it's the other guy's job. And so therefore, all the Zakinim are saying this, and all the Kohenim are saying that, and the whole nation's together, and we all think, oh, we're off the hook. And so maybe each person there is supposed to turn to his fellow and say, You've got a responsibility. And that's why it becomes singular. Because you're talking to each person there, saying it's your job. You can't blend into the community and say the community is taking care of it. It's your job to make sure this stuff doesn't happen. And that's Taseh Hashem B'nei Hashem. And then one last proposal, which is definitely not pshat. I'm not, not willing to, under any measure of torture, to suggest this is pshat. But based on the famous Midrash in Shmot, you know, the, uh, the, the Midrash in Masachat Sota, when the, uh, when the Mitzrim say, let's put them to work, pen yirbev, pen yifrots, we're afraid that they're going to multiply. And then it says, as they subjected them, Am Yisrael multiplied. And the famous Midrash says that they said, Pen and the Ruach HaKodesh says, And Cain and Pen being so close, Pen You don't want them to, to, to multiply? Yes, they will multiply. And the idea that these statements, again, Midrashically, are being said by Ruach HaKodesh, meaning this is HaKodesh Baruch Hu's contribution to the ceremony. And so now the Zakim come and say, we didn't kill the guy. The Kohanim come and say, uh, Hashem, please forgive us. And instead of the Ruach HaKodesh saying, you're forgiven, it turns around, the Ruach HaKodesh turns around and says, okay, but it's your job to find the killer. It's your job also to make sure this doesn't happen. The two different approaches that we had in that. So we've seen over the course of the last half hour, as we looked at this parasha that really ends the Lotirtzach expansion uh, of Moshe, and it is the uh, the parsha of the Egla Arufa. And we saw that the last pasuk was strange because it's unclear what it means. It's unclear who's saying it. And the singular is difficult also. So we saw the Midrash Tanaim adopted by Rashi that it is addressing a halachic issue of if you find the killer afterwards. But then we saw more expansive approaches to understanding what's going on here, including the Bechor Shores, uh, which is that this entire ceremony is there to smoke out the murderer, or the Ralbags, which is that the ceremony is a Bidiyavad, and you shouldn't do it. What you should really do is to is to do an uh, examination, investigation, everything else, and find the guy and have him killed. And so what I suggested is that really this, this phrase, Vyatat Tadabar, could be spoken by one of five different entities. It could be Moshe, the end of Moshe's command. It could be something said by the Kohanim, the end of their statement. It could be something said by the Kohanim and the Zakanim together to the group. It could be something said by everybody there to each other, and it could be the Ruch HaKodesh chiming in and saying that your job is beyond the ceremony to go and cleanse the uh, countryside from murders and the blood of the innocent.